Hi, welcome to the 12th House Podcast. This is Michelle. I'm here in a 14th century Italian villa on an amazing retreat with the team. And maybe you can hear that I'm in a gigantic, arched, amazing marble hallway (laughs) because this is our sitting room. But I'm so excited for today's episode. If you haven't been tuning in because maybe you've been on vacation or maybe you've been traveling or I don't know, maybe you've taken a podcast break over the last couple of weeks and you're just getting back to the 12th house now, welcome back. We've been focusing on the idea of money and kind of like unraveling some mysteries around money. My dad was on the podcast a couple of weeks ago. Last week, I talked about some of my own sort of experiences with money. And this week, I'm so excited to introduce you to Mimi Bouchard, who's the founder of Superhuman. It's a meditation app. You'll hear a little bit more about it. It's a functional audio app, really. And the reason that we really wanted to talk to Mimi was because she has figured out how to make this business, this digital app that costs a lot of money to make and bootstrap it herself. Bootstrapping just means that you pay for something out of pocket. You don't have outside investors, so the money comes from you. A lot of times when we have a big idea, especially a big idea that requires a lot of capitalization, either we are making a physical product that we need to put out into the world with you know thousands of units, or maybe it's a digital product like an app or a website or a new piece of technology. There are a lot of upfront startup costs that require a lot of what you would call capitalization. Capital is just money, right? It's just funding. So typically, in order to make these things happen, as small business owners, we often find ourselves thinking that we need to go out and raise money from people outside of us, whether they're venture capitalists or angel investors or other types of investors, or even getting a loan at a bank, which I think people don't think about it as often. It might seem old fashioned, but that used to be the way that we funded businesses. It still is the way we fund businesses. And it's just not as sexy as you know getting money thrown at you from a bunch of investors. <laughs> and the final way is through bootstrapping it yourself. So taking money from your own account and investing it back into the business. It's really admirable. I think when people can figure out how to bootstrap their businesses themselves, because especially if they, uh, (laughs) they don't have money, you know, if like they've had to make money themselves in order to, to finance their dreams. But I also think it makes you a really conscientious, calculating in a good way entrepreneur. And it really asks you to get clear on what you want and to get really clear on your intuition. It's so easy when there are other sort of cooks in the kitchen, when other people's money is at play. And we know that often money can be interchanged for power. When there's other people's sort of power dynamics at play in your business, that can, you know, pretty quickly sort of like shield what's clear for you or obscure what's clear for you is probably a better turn of phrase. And that can make running an intuitive business very challenging. That doesn't mean you shouldn't do it. It just means that that's like a sort of obstacle you're going to have to overcome. It's a muscle you're going to have to flex, getting clearer with yourself. But I know so many incredible entrepreneurs. My friend Milana Snow comes to mind too, um, in addition to Mimi, who are so clear with themselves and have decided to bootstrap their businesses and have just grown them to incredible heights. So I'm excited for you to hear this episode with Mimi and to hear her talk a little bit more about Supernatural and her journey. And I love that she was open to debate and conversation around some of these concepts that are a little trickier to sort of navigate and that maybe we have differing views on. So I think you're going to love the episode. Before we get into it, I just want to thank our podcast sponsor, Flowdesk. Flowdesk is our email service provider of choice. We are obsessed with Flowdesk. 
It's helped us grow our email newsletter from something very small to over 100,000 subscribers. And partially that's because of you know the technology that Flowdesk has built. They make it so easy to make landing pages and opt-ins and honestly to send emails, <laughs> but also because their emails are truly beautiful. It's so easy for me to design and I'm not a designer, to design a gorgeous email in Flowdesk in like 10 minutes. The thing that takes me the longest is just writing it and and to send it out and have incredible open rates, incredible click-through rates, and actually have people asking me, wait, when does the next email come out? Or wait, I missed last week's email. Where have you been in my inbox? That's truly an honor as a small business owner, and I have Flowdesk to thank for it. So if you are thinking of starting a business or an email newsletter, or really if you just want to make content out in the world, I can't recommend enough starting your email list. And I would get started with Flowdesk. If you use the code holisticism, you'll get 50% off for your entire first year of using Flowdesk. That means it's $19 a month. And the best thing about Flowdesk is that they don't charge you per subscriber. Lots of popular email service providers like MailChimp and ConvertKit charge you per person or per thousand subscribers or 500 subscribers that you have. So you kind of get penalized for growing. You have to pay more money. Flowdesk, that's not the case. And that's part of the reason that I love it so much. It's so cost-effective, especially if you're bootstrapping your business. So go get that year-long discount. It's really fucking good by using the code holisticism at checkout, or you can go to flowdesk.com backslash holisticism. Okay. With that, let's get into the episode. Hi, Mimi. It's so good to talk to you. It's so nice to talk to you too, Michelle. Thank you for having me. I'm so jealous you're in Italy. We're just totally vibing. And yeah, I'm super excited to be on the show. For so many reasons, so excited to talk to you. I mean, I'm always inspired by other women who are making technology, especially who have figured out how to either bootstrap their business and make it grow with not a traditional business background, but a lot of what we do at Holisticism is intuitive business. And that means sort of merging for us, the esoteric, the holistic, the spiritual with, you know, like our intelligence, our inherent innate intelligence. Have you always been motivated by entrepreneurship? Well, this just sounds like the perfect show to be on then because that's everything that I do. Um, Yes, I've always been very stubborn and I always hated being told what to do. So naturally I became an entrepreneur because I wanted to be my own boss and I couldn't think of myself in more of a traditional path because I hated conformity. And uh, yeah, so I'll give you a very quick life story. I was born and raised in Toronto, Canada when I was 18. Uh, the moment I could, I left and I went to university on the other side of Canada in Halifax for a couple of semesters. Wow. Really decided it wasn't for me. I was really trying to still kind of be in the cool crowd and do what I thought I was supposed to do and, you know, live the teenage experience. But very, very quickly, I realized that I'm just, it's just not me. I'm, I'm not this type of person that wants to go down the traditional path. So I dropped out of university and then decided to move to London, England on a whim. It was a very random decision, but yeah, what made you do that? Were you just like, did you see the Mary Kate and Ashley movie about London? And you were like, that's me, London calling. I have to go there. Like, what was it? Well, although Mary Kate and Ashley had a very big, uh, (laughs) a very big part of my childhood, it wasn't, (laughs) it wasn't that Um, funny enough. Just side note, I live in the Bahamas now and the Atlantis is like on the same island. Okay. Wait, are you sure that Mary Kate and Ashley didn't see like seep into your subconscious in some way? I wanted to go to the Atlantis when I was younger so badly. My parents couldn't afford it. (laughs) So it was, 
<laughs> oh my God. So literally last year I was like, okay, I'm going to go to the Atlantis. And I went on the water slide and I lived my inner child's dream. <laughs> go on the big water slide, the huge one that goes on where the sharks are. That is truly my dream. That's amazing. <laughs> it's not as cool as you would have thought when you were five years old, but whatever. Anyway, moving on. Yes. Uh, I wanted to go as far away as I could. That was like English speaking. <laughs> and London just happened. You know, I left university and my parents were like, okay, like you're just going to leave school and start this online magazine. Cause I wanted to start this online magazine blog thing that I was starting. Wow. And, you know, I coded the website myself learning on YouTube. Half the screen was like tutorials on HTML code. The other half Amazing. the screen was my own website this is before like Squarespace it was invented. So that's like the MySpace of- days when we were all like doing yeah. learning HTML so we could like make rainbows on our MySpace page. <laughs> we literally <laughs> we are so much smarter than the current generation. Honestly, Again, people love to shit on millennials, but come on, we figured some stuff out. <laughs> oh yeah, for sure. A hundred percent. Um, I love those like memes that before like the me when I was 12, people now when they're 12, and it's yeah. like, you know, like like <laughs> yes exactly and like body glitter and oh, yeah, just pimples okay. just mm, yeah a lot of pimples anyway so, <laughs> so yeah I moved to London and I just I, I my parents my family were kind of like oh what's your leaving school like okay what are you gonna do and um I decided that I wanted to have you know create my online magazine it was called Mimi B and and uh yeah my I found an uh, a course a month-long course in London England actually that following fall after I left school and I was like okay mom and dad I'm gonna go here and I'm just gonna do this month-long course it was on fashion journalism oh, and cool. I'm gonna see if I like this place and I ended up just applying for a residency or visa when I was there for one month and I just fell in love with the city. I loved who I was in London. And I had always been, you know, just in Toronto in Canada, living the same life with the same people around me. And I was craving change, radical change. I liked who I was when I wasn't around anyone I grew up with. I, I needed some, something radical and, you know, being alone a lot that first, the first couple of years I was in London, um, you know, I'd never had a boyfriend before. I was always kind of, you know, traveling around and I was just alone a lot. And I think that was really great for my personal development. And uh, yeah, I've always been in the personal development space. And naturally that online magazine turned into me posting more on social media, uh, trying out many different entrepreneurial, uh, you know, ventures. I, I tried basically so much in my five years in London. And then I kind of just fell onto this meditation app thing in a very interesting way. It's just clicked and it's my, my first real big business. That's my baby. And, you know, I employ five people. Now we are growing like crazy. I now live in the Bahamas. So I moved from London to the Bahamas two years ago. And uh, I now have my, my first boyfriend became my life partner uh, we met five years ago. So he moved here with me and everything's changed, but it's just fallen into place. And I, I can't tell you that it's been a linear process. And I always like to preface this when I'm in interviews, because it's like, wow, Mimi, it was just like from here to there. And you just created the success, but no, in reality, there are so many ups and downs as obviously, you know, as an entrepreneur, there are moments of despair and doubting yourself and having nothing and losing things. And then just having a new idea, going all in, not knowing if it's going to work and then trying something else. I probably went through 10 different business ideas before superhuman, you know, flourished into what it is today. And 
we have tens of thousands of members that are subscribed to the app doing the meditations daily. And there are very, very unique, different meditations that we can get into later. But yeah, it's really just fallen into place. And I've used the tools that I teach when it comes to personal development. I, I don't, I hesitate to use the word manifestation, but it really is that as well. It's creating the yeah. life you desire through, you know, uh, your energy and what you do and how you feel and your self-image, most importantly, which we can get into later as well. That's my biggest uh focus is is making my self-image aligned with what with what I desire because that's the trick to success and that's the kind of manifestation I ch- I teach in the meditations as well. Um and I I'm a living proof, I'm the poster child for for this platform. And and it actually started because years ago I was trying to get into meditation. Back when I was living in London, I was broke. I literally had $10 to my name. And I have screenshots on my Instagram. People were asking, you know, people always like to say, oh, you grew up in a rich family and you just get everything handed to you. I'm like, okay, look at this bank statement, please. Yeah. Yeah. It's also very, like, I remember taking screenshots of my bank account being, you know, withdrawn and being like, in the future, I will look back on this right now. It's so, I'm so ashamed, but I really will look back on this as a success. Like, I know that I'm going to like shift from this at some point. Yes. I love how you say that because it's so funny. I always had this weird calmness about, about me being broke back in the day. <laughs> right. I, I knew that that was going to change. I knew deep down in my gut that this work I was doing was going to pay off. Mm-hmm. And, and of course there are moments of me having massive doubt and being depressed and not happy. But from, I remember when I look back, I really think I just had this deep belief in myself and it's because I was doing the self-image work and I just knew there was no other options. Is that nurture or nature? Did you always kind of have that faith? It sounds like, you know, when you dropped out of school, your parents, you made a kid seem like they're like, okay, we trust you. Like that, you know, what's right for you. And like, you're going to go do the thing that makes sense. Do you think that's just an innate quality that you have? Obviously you've developed it over time, but it seems like a muscle that you strengthen as opposed to something that you have to sort of like a skill you have to acquire. I don't know. What's your perspective on that? That's an amazing question. And I am very blessed to have been brought up by my parents that really cheered me on my whole life. I will say (laughs) that I think it's always been within me. I think it's within all of us though. I, I really do believe that every single person listening, every single person on the planet can create the life of their desires. Like, I I don't think, I think it's really, again, like a self-image thing. But when I was really young, I remember thinking I could do anything. And then that faded away from the ages of like 11 to 16 to 17. I I went through a very dark kind of phase during that time, my preteen and teen years. I really was disconnected to myself and had a lot of issues, honestly, kind of just, you know, I was very depressed and and wasn't in a good state. And something happened when I got that moment of clarity right before, like when I dropped out of university, I, I stopped drinking and going out for a little bit. I was trying to get a bit healthier. I was doing a lot of drugs and, you know, just not feeling like myself. My soul was yelling at me saying, what are you doing? Stop. This isn't you. Mm-hmm. And I just decided to stop drinking and to get a bit clear. And I locked myself in my little residence room in university. And it was literally a 200 square foot bedroom. And I bought a journal and I just started writing and I'm like, what do I want to do with my life? And it was a lot of, it was, this is for weeks. I literally locked myself in the room and I'd go get food from the cafeteria, bring it upstairs. And I wouldn't talk to anyone. And I had this, this, this was like my, it, it was just an intuition that I have to do that. And then things kind of catapulted from there. But to answer your question, you know, 
I had the benefit from having very loving, supporting parents. And my grandparents weren't though. They were very angry that I wouldn't go to school. And I think they had helped pay for my secondary school because my parents couldn't really afford it. My grandparents, you know, wanted me to do that. And it was very important for them, but I just ended up saying, no, I I have to do this. And I remember though, you know, my random uncle at the dinner table before I moved to London saying like, you're not going to last three months as an entrepreneur. I, and it's funny because I saw him (laughs) a couple of weeks ago, we were in Vermont for a family trip and I'm now making 10 times the amount as as him. And he's Uh just like, oh, well, I am sorry, Mimi. You know, he remembered, he said that he said that he remembered. And it was a full circle moment because I was like, it's so funny I'm just treated so differently now. And I was really, my parents believed in me, but they never had success. They didn't really know. They were just supportive. And, you know, there were creative artists that just kind of like, oh, you can do anything, be anything. But at the end of the day, I was actually, I I look back feeling very alone most of my childhood as well. Like I have a big sister and I love her, but I always felt misunderstood, especially with my parents too. And I was very lonely. And then, you know, there, there's a lot of factors. It seems like your family had maybe different priorities than you. Very like different. A different dri- internal drive. You know, my, my parents actually like were against rich people. Like I grew up thinking wow. rich people aren't happy, you know, right. like you money's know, bad. People with money are bad. bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that was a belief that I had to really change within myself because I was always, and I always had like, combated that with my mom. I was like, what do you mean rich people aren't happy? Like, <laughs> They seem happy. A lot of them seem happy. (laughs) No, I I didn't mean it that way. I I was just thinking like, how does that make sense? Like there are poor people and rich people. How is it that just rich people are unhappy? You would think that, you know, they're a little bit in each bucket, but like I learned from a young age to only take advice from people that have what I want. And that was, that's a really great piece of advice that I've always kind of took on. So I was a bit of a rebel. I kind of, I never really went with the status quo, but, uh, yeah, all in all, to wrap up that question, yes, I'm grateful and incredibly blessed to have loving parents growing up. I think it would have been a lot harder if I had an abusive household. But I will say, you know, we had a lot of financial distress when I was younger. And I remember not being able to do things and being very ashamed and embarrassed, having friends over to our tiny little house. And, you know, I had a lot of shame growing up around that. And I wasn't really ever taught about money in a positive way. So I, I'm happy that I've carved that path myself. But that being said, I take 100% responsibility for my life. And that can trigger some people sometimes, but that's a success principle. I learned in my first personal development book, The Success Principles by Jack Canfield. It's a great starter book. And it's the first principle in the book. And I used to be a victim when I was in, you know, when I was in my teens and I was very down on myself, depressed, I had eating disorders. I was very unhappy. I, I was in a very low point. And after reading that book, I took a hundred percent responsibility for my life, every single aspect of it. And it changed me for the better. So wow. having that victim mentality just never, it didn't serve me anymore. So a, I'm a big proponent of that as well. I'm just so curious, where did you learn about money? Cause like, that's a big shift for if no one around you is like talking to you in that way about money, making it okay. Like what was the catalyst for you? I write about it and I learn about it on YouTube. So <gasps> no way first, on YouTube. Yeah. Yes. When I first moved to London and I was alone and I had so much time on my hands when I wasn't working because <laughs> I was working like four jobs when I first moved to London to right. take NP. But when I wasn't where I wasn't really socializing that much, I had a lot of time on my hands, especially like traveling to and from the different jobs. I would listen to podcasts and YouTube and read books. And I love Tony Robbins and he was the OG <laughs> that I loved. 
His money and book is reading, really good. His money, his money book, book is really good. Great. Yeah. So I learned from, from people on YouTube. And one of the things that I think, whether it was Tony Robbins or someone in the personal development space, one of the things they said was, if you are not surrounded by people that can inspire you and teach you things, then you have the opportunity to learn all that online. You have so many free resources. So all I would do is just listen to them online and they became my mentors without even knowing it. Wow. And would you kind of just pick and choose, like you'd apply a principle and if it worked for you, you'd, you'd like use it and then you would leave the rest. Like how did it, what was I your just exper- used it all. Really? Yeah. And it, you yeah. feel like it all kind of worked or like um, that you have your own method now or your way of, of working it? Yeah. I think that's a good question. I didn't like fully reject any of these principles. I would kind of see which ones interested me the most and it made sense to me because you have to understand something to really live by it. Yep. And then I would just kind of translate that into my own way of being. But what was funny I was trying to get to a bit earlier is that I tried to get into meditation five, six years ago when I first got to London, when I was first getting into the personal development space after reading my first personal growth book, I was really into it. In these YouTube videos that these personal growth gurus were saying, they had, you know, you have to meditate. And I would try so hard. I downloaded all the apps and I really tried to meditate. And it was the one thing, it was the one principle that people said that I could never stick to. And I used to say, oh, my mind works too quickly. I can't meditate. It's boring. It just doesn't like, I like to feel invigorated. I like to feel alive. And it just never did that for me. So I started recording these voice memos to myself on my phone and I would listen to them every day while I was getting ready for the day. There were my motivational pep talks, getting me to visualize my future, get like bringing in the principles from everything else I'm learning into more of like an active manifestation meditation that I would do yeah. with my eyes open. And that was the catalyst to then give me the idea to create my own meditations that are incredibly unique, that are designed for every single moment of the day, which is now superhuman. We have 15 categories of meditations from walking meditations, cooking meditations, cleaning meditations, like cool. just music frequency you can listen to while you're working to up-level your focus. Like we have literally a meditation for anything and everything. And it's designed to be motivational, to be inspiring, to, you know, it has very energizing music. My audio engineers really create like epic movie moments, cinematic, you're the main character vibe music. And the words are very inspiring. You never think about nothing. So that is how I created my business. So smart because one of the reasons people love podcasting is because they want to be with people. Like they want to be engaged with a friend in a way. And sometimes Wallace, our our producer and I joke that, you know, being on a podcast or listening to a podcast is like being part of a conversation that you don't have to put any effort into, but you get all the benefit from, you know, you get just like, you get the pleasure from it and it does completely, it opens up your world. So it's kind of like you're, you're kind of like doing that <laughs> with meditation. You know what? My goal is to create, like when I first launched superhuman, I was actually debating calling it meditation because it's so different to what other meditations are out there, yeah. but I needed to meet the customer where they were because creating a new word for this type of thing just didn't really make sense yet until we're a way bigger brand. It just doesn't make sense. So we're using the word meditation um, because it, there's, it's really the closest thing to it. But my goal with the business is to actually create a whole new like section of audio that's called functional audio. That is not podcast. It's oh, not an like audio book. It's not music. It's not clubhouse clubhouse kind of coined like social audio, but I know functional audio is like personal development, you know, self-improvement content that you're listening to while 
going grocery shopping while doing the dishes, while running around with your life. Because what I found out when I was doing all this research before launching this app, most people don't meditate because it requires changing a behavior. Mm-hmm. It requires you to sit down, close your eyes, put your headphones on and do something totally out of routine. Where in the in reality, you can get the benefits, the motivational visualization, energy changing benefits of my type of meditation, literally by walking around and listening to it, by, by walking your dog, by cleaning the house, by doing, it doesn't require change behavior. It requires you listening to something different with the same benefits. So it just makes sense. What you're doing reminds me of like, it's like entertainment, but meditation. It's like meditainment. Meditainment. <laughs> like, I like yeah. functional audio better. I think that's a little bit more, it's, it's a little more like motivation, like motivation, <laughs> motivation. Yeah. That's yeah. what word that we were kind of thinking of, but I don't know yet. Well, and there's so much, uh, there's so much study around sort of like the extended mind theory and the fact that we unlock a lot in our unconscious and subconscious when we're active, when we're taking in the things around us and like when we're doing, when we're in movement, you know, even when we're in conversation, there are these gestures that are foreshadowing gestures that we use before we describe something. And it helps the person that we're talking to understand what we're saying. We don't even really realize that we're doing it. Um, and it just goes to show you that like, really, we need our entire bodies to, to not just understand something, but metabolize it. And, um, I think it's so smart. Like, yeah, when I'm sitting, usually I'm uncomfortable. I'm like, Ugh, I'm going to be doing something else. Or the last thing I want to be doing is breath work right now, but I know it's good for me. It's like taking my vitamins. So yeah. that's so brilliant. And it really, it sounds like it came from just you figuring out what worked for you. And it's, it's so cool it's, that you've got tens of thousands of people now who are like, yeah, it works for me too. Yeah. And we haven't done any uh, paid advertising. It's all been word of mouth. That's yeah, it's been, it's been like, crazy. We haven't, like, I'm just trying to keep my head above water, trying to, you know, hire as many people as I can, like figure it out, build the new version of the app, do this, do that. Like, it's just crazy. So, and I agree with you, you know, sitting down and meditating is hard. Sometimes we we do have seated meditations on the app, but like all meditations are, you can listen to them, whatever you're doing. And, and I, I really want to, destigmatize meditation. Of course, there's a very traditional way to do it. And that's great. And that's for a lot of people, but for me, it never worked for me. And I needed something real and I needed something to change my state quickly and to remind me of who I want to be every day. And that's the biggest thing because so many of us have untapped potential within us. And I don't know about you, but my biggest fear in life is, is waking up one morning in my eighties or nineties full of regret, not living the life I could have lived. And that's my why with everything I do. And I found that these meditations are the easiest way to get there from what I have experienced in my, you know, short time on this earth, they, they change your state and what is life without feeling alive? That's what, what is life without feeling alive? Yeah. I feel you. That's my, my deepest fear is that, you know, I won't be able to do everything. You know, I just want to, I want to taste everything. I want to do everything. I want my life to be like muscular, you know, I want everything. Yeah. You want to be everything. Exactly. And you can have it all. Like (laughs) this is one of the things that I get a lot of pushback on sometimes when I meet someone that doesn't really know my work. I'm like, Oh yeah, you can have it all. I I feel like I have it all and I've created that for myself. I did not just step into this. I am a firm believer that you can have it all. And that's a limiting belief if you think you can't. Yeah. And I think that there are people, I mean, there's a great argument to be had too, that there is systemic sort of like blocks and 
honestly, like the way that the world is set up and organized, a lot of people, depending on their identity, can't have it all. I mean, even in the United States, if you look at what's happening with women and reproductive rights. But but you can move. I, I would move. <laughs> I would move. Yeah. I, I I think so outside of the box. And I know it might sound naive to some people. I, I respect I don't that. think it's naive, but I think that, yeah. You know. I, I, I really think there's always a way. There's always a way to, ch- to change something, to change where you are, to change who you surround yourself with, to change your story. And that's, I, I feel like that empowerment is what people need right now more than anything. Yeah. I think, I think it's, it's twofold. I think that we need to feel personally empowered and personally sovereign and I think like when we really do the work, we realize that we're all one, not to sound like kumbaya cheesy. And, and that also inspires us to do community work too. You know, like I want to make a shift in my community, in the place that I grew up in or where I love or where I'm from. When I see that it's wrong, you know, like what's happening is like categorically wrong that people are being oppressed it can get easy to feel bogged down and to not put on your own oxygen mask first and to like do your work so that you're the strongest, best, most powerful version of yourself so that you can help other people. No, I I agree with you. And another principle that I learned in that, that success principles book, that's my Bible. It was talking about in the chapter or one of the chapters within you are responsible for your life. And it was, it's a calculation E plus R equals O event plus response equals outcome, not just event equals outcome. It's event plus response equals outcome. And I feel like that calculation, when you're feeling like there's nothing you can do, when you're feeling like stuck and angry and like you can't, you're a victim, then you need to think to yourself, what can my response be to change my outcome, to change my story? That's helped me in moments where I have felt stuck. Like this mentality of mine, did not come easily. It took years, years of shedding off layers and trying to believe in myself more and trying to see the potential that did not exist. What you said earlier, when we were talking about YouTube and podcasts and kind of taking in a ton of information and playing with it and not always, it kind of sounded like you were saying to not always take it literally. Right. And I think a lot of the time with self-development or personal development, people are so by the book, right. They're sort of regurgitating what they read as opposed to really like ingesting it and getting it in their cells and feeling it and understanding it. They're just like spitting it back or parroting it back. And that's, I think where the disconnect can come. Um, between like, oh, I, to be personally empowered, I need to be individualistic and sort of move out of community or like worry about myself first versus like, well, to your point, like, okay, my response to this can change how I feel and also how I understand this situation. So yes, I can understand that. Let's say what's happening in the U S with reproductive rights, that the situation feels dire, but maybe it won't feel as dire if I respond to it by saying, you know what, I'm going to be, I'm going to take a, a leadership role here and I'm going to make a shift. Absolutely. hundred percent. I, there is, there are so many layers to this. And I guess what I specialize in is personal development. And that's where all of these principles come from. Um, you know, of course what's happening in parts of the world is terrifying. And I'm very lucky to not, I'm proud to not be an American, to be honest with you. I'm proud to be a Canadian <laughs> times like you. I bet. Um, I'm jealous. Yeah. So <laughs> I totally agree. And I think that the more that everyone in the world 
focuses on their own personal development as well, less bad things will happen in general too, is my personal opinion, because happy people don't, you know, like that's a whole conversation, but, uh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. We could get it. We could get way into that. I remember (laughs) when I was going through nutrition school, I was like, if everyone just ate vegetables, this world would be so different. Politicians would be different. If everyone was just like, was pooping every day, we'd be so much happier, you know? Yeah, <laughs> sounds yeah. simplistic, but really, I like also, those shifts can make a big difference. Totally, I also believe in like go where you're treated best. Like we're so lucky to be living in a time where it's actually pretty easy to get visas and residencies in other countries. If and, you have money, yeah. Well, no, actually, I moved to London with no money, and I actually like there are definitely ways to to do it. If, if like hundred percent. I actually moved to the Bahamas before even making real money. Um, I wanted the island lifestyle. It, there's always a way. There's always a way you can get sponsored. Like I, I really think we, if we just think outside the box more, like you know, the best way to tell a government that you don't like what they're doing is honestly to leave. Like that's my personal and to fight back, obviously. But I, I just think we have there's power in numbers. Yeah, I think that a lot of people in the United States are really, you know, it's been a very tumultuous last couple of years, obviously. And I think a lot of people are questioning, like, is this thing worth fighting for? And it's a, that's a good question, right? In general, like, is the relationship you're in worth fighting for? Is the country that you call home, is it worth fighting for? Is the business that you've created and worked so hard to build when it really feels hard? Is it worth like sticking in there and digging your heels in and sort of practicing resilience? Or do you need to check in and, and decide like, I've invested enough here. I've learned what I need to learn. And now it's time to move on to the next thing. And that can be really hard. And I think the answer is different for everyone. Yeah, totally agreed. I'm a tech person. I came from tech. And whenever someone builds an app, I'm like, yes, let's get into the brass tacks because it's not cheap, especially to build a really beautiful app like yours. It's expensive. So how did you, and it sounds like this is, you know, the actual business once it was up and running is what was, is making you money and is doing really well now, but how did you fundraise for that? And did you bootstrap it yourself? I'm, I think that people love to hear like what that really actually tangibly looks like. Yeah. percent. No, I bootstrapped my entire business. Um, I've not had any outside investment over the past couple of years. I've tried many different things um, in the entrepreneurial space. And, uh, you know, I launched a subscription business back in the day and and the meditations from that, which ended up becoming superhuman, did very well. So I pivoted and took the money I'd earned from that, put it right back into the business. My whole career, honestly, up to this point, like I've just put everything that I've earned back into the business. And uh, because of that, I have not gotten an outside investment. Congratulations. Yeah, it's you. the best to own hundred percent to have hundred percent ownership and control is an amazing thing, especially with the technical products. So it sounds like you had an MVP of like this membership community or subscription community. And then you kind of took the content you learned from what people loved and you leveraged it up into the app. Did you like, did you work with one developer? Did you work with a team? Well, how did you find them? What was that like yeah. for you? Cause you've never done this before, right? No. Yeah. It was a lot of learning, a lot of learning. <laughs> Oh my gosh. You can get so like, I remember when I was working with a dev team, I had one person come back to me and be like, yeah, it's going to be like a half a million dollar build. And then another person come back and be like, we could do it for like eight grand. (laughs) Yeah. It really, like I did loads of research, interviewed so many different app 
building agencies and freelancers. And we ended up working with this one team and I negotiated myself an awesome deal to be oh, you able have to, to license you have to negotiate it. Yes. Yeah, yeah, no, but I licensed the app. So I didn't oh, pay for smart. it upright because I, didn't, I couldn't afford it. Yep. So even two years ago, like I couldn't afford because an app is expensive. It's really expensive. Uh, hundreds of thousands of dollars. And yeah, like two, two to 300 for a decent app. And yeah, so I licensed it and I'm at the point now where I'm considering building uh, one from scratch. Um, we're at the point now where that's a possibility and there are a lot of factors in that. So I don't know what I'm going to do yet with that. So that's, that's what it is. And it's very difficult to deal with developers because they have a very different way of communication and they have different brains and it's, you know, it's, it's, it's been a whole learning process, but my team is great. And, you know, my, my internal team that deals with developers are they're, they're great. And it's, there's a lot, I think my biggest learning curve this past year with the business is having, working with more people, not just contractors, but like having people that work full time for me, like that's the hardest thing I think I've had to feel like deal with this year. It's like, cause I'm way too nice. I, I I'm, I'm like a friend to everyone and <laughs> right. like our conversations need to be done. I'm like, what do I do? Like I need to, I'm really trying to step into my boss mode. <laughs> so that's something I'm struggling with at the moment. I think that honestly is the hardest sort of leverage or growth point in a business is when you start really hiring people and you go from, especially as an entrepreneur and a doer, like you are the active sort of participant making everything, right? Like you can do anything, you can make anything, you can figure it out. And then you start hiring specialists because you want them to be better than you. I love delegating. I love <laughs> delegating. Yes. And that's what CEOs do. And that was a really hard lesson for me to learn when I first got started. It was like, no, you know, eight figure CEOs, they hire other people to do this stuff for them. That's, yeah. and that's the difference between me and them. I have to start hiring people so I can become that. That's the only way forward, but it's hard, especially um, if you're a kind person. And especially if you're maybe younger than the people that you're working with, that can be like a tricky shift. Yeah. I think that's the age thing. Cause I'm 26. I, most of the people that work for me are around my age. So it's not a huge jump, but yeah, I can, I can absolutely have been in calls situations, even with potential investors where people don't understand that I'm not a child. Right. right. And so there are a lot of, you know, 40, 50 year olds that, that don't understand um, having a, a young founder, but I, to be honest, I haven't really faced that problem loads, but yeah, the age thing is definitely something to note for sure. Yeah. Especially if you're not fundraising because you bootstrapped the business, like that gives you so much credibility and you know that you can do it too. You don't yeah. need someone else's money. Money is just money. All money is the same when it comes from investors, you know? Um, yeah. So when you're hope the best advice someone gave me, cause I raised money for holisticism, I ended up giving it back because I didn't like the investors, what they wanted me to do. Really? Yeah. And then I bootstrapped the business and the best advice that I got was all money from every single person is the same dollar amount, like whatever. It's just money, but you are basically marrying whoever invests in you. You're inheriting all of their emotions, their feelings, their perception of you, what they want. And also like the value that they can bring to the table. What, are they an expert in something that you need help with? Do you need them as a mentor? Then take their money. But like, you can always make money. That freed me. I felt like so trapped before that, but it sounds like you figured that out. No, that's great advice. And yeah, I think in the future we'll, 
will raise. Um, I'm not sure when. It depends. You know, I have big plans with the app when it comes to integrating AI and bigger projects. So that will cost millions. And I don't know if I want to fully, you know, put my whole life savings at the time into that. I'm not sure yet. I think it might be the smart move to get strategic partners on board in the future. But right now, I'm very happy you know, self-funding it and uh, really just learning the ins and outs of the business so well. It's still been a very, very fast experience. We launched Superhuman a year ago, wow. um, 11 months ago. So it's, I, I want to just kind of bask in this right now and really just understand everything as much as I can. Like we are just starting to consider paid advertisement and what our ad, you know, strategy is. And I don't even know our customer acquisition costs. Like why, <laughs> what, what if they're like amazing? I don't want to get investment now before I have all those metrics. Well, they, they are amazing because you <laughs> haven't paid anything for advertising yet. So you could probably calculate that number pretty easily. Zero. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> Zero. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's that's incredible. Yeah, that's yeah. You definitely don't want to get investment yet. You still have some stuff to figure out, but totally. That's like that'll be easy for you. Also, not a really good time to to get investment right oh now. Oh my god, no! Don't raise money for like at least <laughs> the next year. <laughs> definitely yeah. not. But there's yeah. also you know so many different different types of capitalization you know that exist beyond just like to traditional traditional investment or venture, like something you might want to consider as a shared earnings agreement. Have you heard of it? Yes, I have. I have. Oh, okay. It's pretty rare. And I didn't know about it till I was super late in fundraising, but it's like amazing, especially for someone like you who already has a really thriving business because you're not like giving away such, such a big chunk of your company, if that's something that's important to you. Yeah. I think there's a lot, a lot to consider. And to be honest with you, I'm so lucky that the company has done so well that honestly, we've been in profit since day one and like our valuations like pretty high. So I, I wouldn't be giving out 20% of the company for 2 million kind of thing. Like it, no. so I, I think I'm just going to wait and it, it's all about the person. It's about the person. If, if the best investor ever comes along and they just want to get involved and they have the vision with me and they just feel really right, then I would maybe consider it, but I'm not actively looking for it right now. I, I really have such big goals and visions for this company and the fact that it's so unique and it's proven it's worked incredibly well with this market. You know, I, I just, I think it's just the beginning and we're not even a year in. So I'm, I'm thrilled. I'm so happy where we are. I want to focus 100% on the customer as I have been. And that's, that's the way that I think it's grown so quickly too. Like I'm constantly just focusing on the customer. What do they want? <laughs> you know, what kind of new categories, new features do they want? Like, what can help them the most when I'm recording the meditations? What can, what words do I need to say to create the most impact? We're actually now just getting new voices on the app. We're launching a motherhood cool. category with this uh, naturopath or Dr. Mallory, and she's a mother because I'm not a mom yet. So I didn't feel like it was appropriate for me to record because they're very intimate, you know, real raw pieces of audio. Yeah. So she's been recording them and I had to train her to do it kind of in the superhuman style. And it's just like, so exciting to see other people and hear other voices. So we're slowly kind of gradually expanding, expanding. I don't want it to be all me all the time. I, I want to be able to globalize the product and give people every like something for everyone, right? So yeah, there's there's a lot of excitement. And I think because it's such a unique app with meditations for every moment of the day, I I really think that once we 
get the name out even more. Like so many people are going to be turning to that. And, you know, legally we're all locked in. So it's not like people can copy us. And uh, I'm just super excited to see how it, how it goes. Cause there are so many people that genuinely like it's changed their life and you don't really see those reviews on the typical more big corporation meditation apps, like on the app store, you don't really see like this changed my life. Like I'm a new person, but with superhuman, it's like constantly every day we're getting these reviews. I think the product speaks for itself and I'm excited to see where it goes. I love that. This is my last question, but now that you have all of the data and the analytics, which must be so exciting for you to see, what's been the biggest, most surprising thing, meditation or category that people are most interested in that you've noticed on Superhuman? The walking meditations people have loved since the beginning. That's so interesting. Hot girl walks, I guess. Yeah. Hot girl walks. (laughs) Like people on TikTok love it. It's also just it makes you feel on top of the world and kind of what we were talking about at the beginning of the episode, how meditation emotion, like movement with meditation, it's a fabulous combination to a help rewire your brain and B really make you feel like you're advancing towards something. And people love it. The music, it's like you're the main character of your life. Things are just like passing you by and you're living in, in the exact moment you need to be in. And I think people love that. It's powerful. And, you know, the other thing I've learned throughout this process is, uh, you know, obviously it's been word of mouth marketing. Some bigger influencers talk about us as well. And it's so interesting because I used to think just the more followers you had, the more impactful your reach is. But I've learned the complete opposite (laughs) throughout this process. Some of the people with like loads of followers literally don't convert anyone. Isn't that so interesting? Thousand followers convert like so many. Yes. We've noticed that we've been saying that for a really long time because it's yeah. every time we work with a huge influencer, it's like crickets. When we work with someone with like, yeah, 5,000 followers, even like just a super small audience, we have hundreds of conversions from them. It's so interesting. Yeah. It's super cool. Mimi, thank you so much. This was so great. Where can people find Superhuman? Obviously in the app store, but is there anywhere else? I would go to the website first because you can okay. see like loads of different like scientific videos from our scientists. You can see member stories. You can actually see a free meditation. We actually have a 14 day free trial as well. So you can try that out too, but you can purchase your subscription or sign up for the trial on the website. Just go to www.superhuman.app. So not superhuman.com, superhuman.app. And then you can check it out there and sign up there. You know, if anyone listening wants to try it out, give it a shot. You literally can just do the free trial and then cancel if you hate it. And even if you forget to cancel, you can get a money. We have a money back guarantee. So it's completely risk-free. We're very confident that everyone will love it. So, um, you know, it's, it's very low barrier to entry and just try it out, just try something new and it might really change your life. So, and yeah, you can find me at Mimi Bouchard on Instagram as well. I hang out there a lot. Perfect. Thank you so much, Mimi. This was great. Thank you, Michelle. that is our show for the week thank you so much for tuning in we really appreciate it and if you liked this podcast or honestly if you've ever gotten something valuable from any episode that we've put up of the 12th house it would mean so much if you just left a five-star review on apple Podcasts. that's how people find us and how we can get amazing sponsors to help us produce this podcast and make even better content for you and If you really like us, please share this with your friends. Tag us on Instagram so we can see when you put in stories and we'll we'll repost you. We 
love hearing from you and we love hearing what you want more of. We have some special things coming in the feed over the next couple of weeks. So keep your eye out for that. And I think that's it. Oh, actually that's not it. (laughs) Super important. I actually have a, a little free gift for you. I put together this hashtag rosebud, rosebud, rosebud cheat sheet on Notion for you. It is basically a cheat sheet for free money. Uh, It is a template that you can go download with tons of resources. If you've been interested in anything that we've talked about over the last couple of weeks, I think you're going to love it. I'll put the link in the show notes so that you can go find it. And I think that's it for this week. I'll see you guys on the internet. Bye. The 12th House is produced by yours truly, Wallace Miller Blanchard. Our theme music is made by Nathan McKay, and our wonderful editing is done by Softer Sound Studios, who you can find more information about in our show notes.